0: Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. So we are in part three of the series, The Evolution of a Preacher. And, of course, you can substitute the word bishop, pastor, however you want to do that, clergyman, in there. In part one, we looked at the call. And then part two, we looked at kind of some of the training aspects. And now, part three, we're going to talk about the church. Okay, the first church. Now... There are so many different dimensions and divisions and and, and uh, isms and wasms and, uh, of the Christian camp that it would be impossible to cover them all. Uh, unless you did one nonstop, unending podcast dedicated just to that, which would, for me, be pretty interesting, but bore the ever-loving bejeebers out of most everyone else. So... What we're going to do instead is we're going to just make a note, and that is this: depending on if you are a in a liturgical tradition, which would be, uh, you know, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, things of that, they handle things a little differently than your free-form evangelical groups like your Baptists and your Assemblies of God, and so forth. Uh, partially because uh, of something that they consider or they call the autonomy of the local church. Now, that's a fancy way of saying that the church calls its own shots. It's kind of all on its own, even though it may be uh, affiliated with a group So, if you have a Baptist church that is affiliated with a group, that means they just participate in some of the group's things, but they make their own decisions as to who and what does what. Um, I'll be very honest with you, though. Uh, In some ways, church autonomy seems to me uh, to be a misnomer. Because uh, if you're in a group, and that group can kick you out of the group then because of something you decide to do then you are not autonomous the only uh, autonomous church would be a church that is totally independent from any association but uh, so if you if a church is in a group whatever denominational group that is and that group can kick them out of that group they are not quote autonomous <laughs> but anyway that's kind of split in hairs but here's the thing there's a difference in the in the way they handles the liturgical groups have a system within their own grouping like you have a bishop you have you know of course with the Catholic church you have cardinals and just a hierarchy that goes all the way up to the pope but the, the situation being with the lutherans and the and the uh, and the Methodist and and so forth and those type of people they have a organizational situation that determines where and how far a pastor will go. Uh, the association takes care of the ministers. You know, the check comes from there uh, a lot of times instead of the church itself. Whereas, on the other side of the stick, when you have, like, Baptist and Assembly of God and Pentecostal, those churches tend to pay for their pastor all by their lonesome. So, that has a lot to do with the attitude of a pastor. And it has a lot to do with uh, how you approach your first church. So if, uh, on the one hand, a pastor is assigned to a church, then they're kind of brought through a process. And if an association is paying their, their paycheck, then they may not starve to death in that first church. Whereas, if you get uh, a pastor on the other side, where it's more Baptist Assembly God, that kind of grouping, Then everything depends on the church you go to. Well, what usually happens, of course, is, hey, when you finish your education or, or, uh, you can show that you're ready, and you start putting your little resume out there for churches to look at you and pulpit committees to start looking at you. Then, uh, in those situations, uh, you're not going to get a church that pays a lot of money. Why? Because you're not famous. You know, if you're Billy Graham, it's different. Yeah, and Billy Graham started at the bottom too. But the thing is, is it strangely enough seems to be a rite of passage. Yeah, we're gonna starve this dude and <laughs> you know, starve this lady at the very beginning, and then you know, well, you know, that may be unfair to say because anytime you're starting out, whether whatever the occupation is, you usually have to start off at the bottom. And I get it. Now here's the thing that just gets me sideways a little bit. Um, as far as churches go, especially when you're talking about a professional minister, okay, now, professional minister, I'm talking about somebody who gets all of their living money from a church, from an individual church. That can be problematic. Uh, a lot of people go by vocational because of that. So they'll get a job on the side and they'll do in the, the church will say, okay, that's cool you know we can't pay all your bills but we'll do this, this this and this and then you go get another job on the side and then you work into a full-time job. That's very common. But the thing that, that is amazing to me is is how comprehensive, Churches get um, when they're looking for pastors. Not all churches; some churches are very reasonable, and they and they understand. Okay, this is a new guy, so we're gonna we're going to raise him up, and that's actually a ministry. I mean, if you got a church who's willing to raise a pastor, that's fantastic. I mean, it's beautiful, but you don't got a lot of that out there. Sometimes instead, uh, a lot of times you know you, these guys get in a, a certain kind of church and then wow, uh, it's rough. <laughs> it's very rough. So so usually in the process, the church itself, whether it's liturgical or you know or not, has some kind of say, sort of, on the pastor. Um. Particularly if they're from an independent kind of, you know, the church is all on its own kind of kind of thing. And then there's the famous pulpit committee. Now, here's what's amazing to me: most pulpit committees want a pastor is theologically trained. Why? They want to do some kind of theological education on the person. Why? Well, because they want to know what the guy knows. Well, okay, that's fair. But here's the thing. Does anybody on the pastor committee know anything? Because you're supposed to ask the, the, this minister questions that are you know important about the Bible. And if you don't know the... You know a, a, a biblical answer to that, then you're you might as well be talking to the wall. You might as well be interviewing a camel, because if the, the the committee from the church that's 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 interviewing the the minister isn't able to have a solid core foundation, and I'm not talking about years. That that years is irrelevant. You can have someone who's young and super mature in the Lord. And you can have somebody pretty old that is really not. So the thing is, someone who knows what in the world they're talking about with the Bible. From a conservative standpoint on, this is the Bible. That's important. Why is that important? Because you need to know what they know. I mean, you, you, you really need to know what they know. And um, some churches, they don't care as long as that particular minister has a diploma or a seminary degree from the seminary they approve of. Holy Toledo. You don't know what kind of wacko that is. You don't know. Just because somebody's got a seminary degree does not mean they know what they're talking about. And just because somebody doesn't have a seminary degree... Doesn't mean that they don't know what they're talking about. That's why it's really important to ask and to have really good theological, really good biblical questions. And and some of those can include, hey, what Bible do you use? Why do you use that, that version of the Bible? You know, what 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 is your understanding of, of salvation? What is your understanding of the Holy Spirit? What is your understanding? You know, how do you view such and such and I don't mean like trying to trip him up or grill you know grill the grill him I'm talking or her I'm trying to say finding out what they think because a horrible fit is just as bad for the minister as it is for the church now there's uh, there's several approaches that ministers use sometimes. To, to get into a church. The first thing is, is they start small. They'll get out of seminary or training, or maybe not. Maybe they're still in training, but they'll, they'll let everybody know, yes, I'm still in training, I'm going to graduate now, I'm looking to graduate on this day. And then, um, it may be a small church. And that church is, is a small church, so they're looking for someone who's, you know, not Billy Graham, <laughs> because they're not going to get him. We're not going to get, you know, uh, you know, Doctor Paul So and So from Harvard Divinity School. That's not going to happen. So then they get it, and so they're looking for a new or young or whatever or retired <laughs> minister. So, and that's that's perfectly fine. There's another approach though, and that is that a lot of ministers go in in kind of a mentoring apprenticeship kind of thing. What they'll do is get an associate pastor degree. Or not degree, but position, excuse me. Yeah. So they'll come underneath a pastor who's been doing it a while, and they'll learn underneath that person. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty good idea. Sometimes they even start their own church. Uh, Jerry Farwell started Thomas Avenue Baptist Church all by his little lonesome. Uh, Tony Evans started the... Uh, uh, I think it's... Uh, Urbandale Church out of his garage. So, that's another approach. But whatever approach it is, it's important that they have... A, a foundation, And that the elders of that church, whoever they may be, not the deacons, the deacons are, even though, in, and we'll touch on that in just a second, but the elders of the church have a good foundation that they can draw from to to, to know, okay, this guy's on the biblical level. Now, there are a lot of churches, because they're small, you've got deacons doing double duty as elders. Personally, I don't think that's biblical. But, does it happen? Is it practical? Yeah, it may be practical. I don't think it's biblical, but I do think it's, I think it ends up being practical because you've got some, some people that are running the church and they're all deacons. I don't agree with that. Deacons are servants. So here's the thing if they're going to run the church, they're elders. But most church traditions, at least, you know, kind of have a hard, fast separation of that. That's one thing that denominations kind of fight back and forth over is, okay, well, do we have, you know, deacons and ministers, deacons and elders? But anyway. it's super important that the church or the elders or whoever is in there have a firm footing on their biblical understanding. Now, here's, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to try to uh, kind of sum up a concept imagine upward mobility okay how does a preacher get ahead? How do they get ahead? by ahead I mean how do they advance? This is a profession. Again, we're getting back to the professional idea of advancement. Well, if you're in a corporation, what happens is you know you start at the bottom and you work your way up, and you get into this department and this department and this department, and you know, and you start here and there, and you work your way up. You know, a lot of ministers start as youth and music people, or youth people, youth and education people, and they do double duty, and. Um, And usually they do one of those really horrible. But, not always. Sometimes you got a gifted guy or woman who can really just, man, just handle it. But, they'll come in, you know, be music in youth or something of that nature. Then, after a while, they apply. After they get years of experience doing that job, they apply to a pastorate job. We'll see. You know, here's the thing: a music person, no matter what education they've got, they could have are never going to make as much as a pastor. Doesn't matter. They almost never, ever, ever do. And I think that's unfair. Because literally, I mean, now the argument is: well, the pastor's feeding the word, you know, and he's doing this and this and this. Yes, that's very important, and yes, the word takes preeminence over music. Yes, but here's the story: if you're going to go on this organizational thing, okay, you, you don't let's let's don't mix our metaphors. Let's don't let's don't you know switch gears in the middle of this uh, middle of this thing. If you're going to, uh, going on a professional level, then why can't the music guy make as much as the pastor? Well because the pastor is the CEO no he's not <laughs> he's not supposed to be he, he or she is not supposed to be the CEO. why? because it's an organization Jesus is the head of the church, not the pastor and there's no verse in the Bible that says a pastor is the head of the church ever. so here's the thing but but does it work that way? Well yeah it does. Now, do we need church leadership? Do we need someone who you know, yes, that can make decisions. And he's supposed to be, he or she's supposed to be, one among equals. First among equals. That's why you have elders, ministers. A lot of church have a whole bunch of them. But here's the thing. This upward mobility thing is what you know, because everybody wants to get ahead, because they get make more money when they go to this church. The next church gives them more money, and the next church gives them more money, and the next church gives them. Money. You know what that does? It makes money the focus, and not God. You know, well, there's nothing matter with making more money. Well, no, I agree, but here's the here's the here's the thing, and I mentioned this before. It's nothing matter with being wealthy, but I don't think it's biblical to get wealthy off of the church. So, you know, if you buy a real estate and you're an investor, then then okay. But come on now. Now, the thing is, that's what people do, though. That's what pastors do. They go up this little career ladder. Yeah, that's the word I'm hunting for, career ladder. Goes from church to church to church to church to church to church. To church. Or they stay in a church and then they get more money more money and more money and more money and more money. And then pretty soon, man, I mean, you got somebody who's making more money than, oh, a doctor. And a doctor makes life and death decisions every dang day. You know, and of course they would argue, well, they make life and death decisions. Okay, when was the last time you had, I mean, you know, unless you're suicide counseling, when was the last time you had something to say? That kept and, 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 and what you did immediately kept that person from dying, or kept them alive, or kept them from having a stroke, or something of that nature, okay? So, the important situations, okay? I mean, how do you compare that to a first responder who puts a fire out and keeps people from dying? How do you, or a police officer, or a soldier, how do you compare that? You don't. But it's important, and the pastor's job is very important. But again, they're supposed to be one among equals who all can teach because that's their duty. That's what God gave them the gift for. It wasn't so they could go up a career ladder. Now, you know, and, and you know the the higher up you go, the more money you make. The bigger the church is, the more money you make. It's just the way it is. But where's God in all of that? Where's God? Where's the spirit of God in all of that? In that process. Because what we're doing is we're using a business secular business model to run Jesus's Organic church, and yes, there needs to be leadership in the church. But come on, I mean apples to apples. So that being that being the case, that's what a lot of these guys are thinking though when they get out of seminary and they and they get their first church they're thinking, I'm gonna be at this church for X period of time, then I'm gonna get me another church. I'm gonna be at that church X period of time, then I'm gonna you know why? Because I can get more money out of this church because once I get my experience here, I'm gonna go over here and then I'm gonna make money over here and then I'm gonna get another salary over here. You know, and they're thinking about you know, and now granted, they're not just thinking about, you know, just sitting counting bills all day, okay, they're gonna be doing stuff, right? Probably totally total evangelism because that's all anybody does anymore almost because, you know, most churches have abandoned counseling because they're afraid people are going to sue them. They abandon social work because they're afraid people are going to sue them. And it's involved. And it's very emotionally taxing. And a lot of churches have abandoned teaching because it's too hard. And because the people just don't understand. Well, come on. You know, is there, you know, is, 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 are, there, are there bad students or bad teachers? Most teachers would say there's bad teachers. But, you know, there's students out there that are, that are thick. But what you have to have is desire. Because, look, the Apostle Peter wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. But you ought to read in his epistles. He got there. He got there. He understood. And he understood enough to know Paul's letters were really, really advanced. So you don't have to be, you don't have to start out with a Harvard education. You just have to have desire to learn. But the problem is, I don't know if people are even being taught if they got a desire to learn. And that's what's tragic. Because you can't mature. You can't mature. And if you, you know, Anyway, so, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. We should be supporting the pastor and making sure that he or she does get to teach. And stop having them do 500 million projects. And stop having them on call 24 hours a dang day. 7 days a week. And then expecting their lives to be wonderful. Because it doesn't work that way. Oddly enough, if pastors never get to see their kids and never get to see their their, their spouses, guess what? Their family's got trouble. And the church can actually cause the problem. So, With that in mind, still, I want to encourage. If you're looking into the ministry, I want to encourage you. If you're looking at not being in the ministry and just being in a good church, I want to encourage you still because guess what? You're in the ministry too. And your ministry is out there. The pastor's ministry is to equip the people in the pew to go out. That's the job. So, with Thank that in keep on, keep it. On. If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L A Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word.